Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Sister Speak Fringe, where we discuss season three of the Fox TV series Fringe from a sister's point of view. I'm Sister J. And I'm Sister K. And welcome to episode 24. Let's get started. Okay. All right. Well, um, today we are going to talk about the episode seven of season three of Fringe titled The Abducted. Um, We start the episode by seeing a man sharpening an old-time straight razor on a strap. One of those old little straps. I don't know what you call them. And begins shaving his, cutting his hair and then shaving his head with shaving cream. He is really getting into it, getting rough with it. And when he looks at himself in the mirror, he is looking grungy. His teeth are all jacked up. And when he's done shaving his head, we see this reddish birthmark looking thing on the side of his head. He takes this vial of clear liquid, pours it into a bowl of water, and then ends up, and then starts splashing it all over his head, his arms, and body, while saying, through suffering comes redemption, through sorrow comes exaltation, through pitch dark comes a cleansing fire, and through the fire we shall find a spring of new life. He puts this mask on, which looks real creepy, and then we see, then we immediately go to this house in New Yonkers, New York, we see this little boy in his bed. It's nighttime. It's dark. And he's scared looking at his closet and all the clothes in the closet are casting shadows on the room and stuff. So he ends up going to his mom's room and telling her that there's a monster in his closet. His name is Max and his mother takes him back to bed and checks the closet and says there's no monsters. Checks under his bed and tells him um, that to remember that. If he thinks he sees a monster to close his eyes, count to three, open his eyes, and there won't be anything there, and he'll be safe. She tells him goodnight and leaves the room and turns the light out and everything. So the little boy's laying in the bed. He looks like he's more at peace. Looks at the closet and then notices someone stepping out from behind his bedroom door. Mm. Freaky. He closes his eyes and counts to three, but when he opens his eyes back up, this man with a mask is standing right in his face, shoves a cloth, which obviously has chloroform on it, over his mouth so that he falls, passes out. Then we see the man pick the little boy up and jump out the window. Um, we next see uh, Manhattan, New York, and we see Henry, woohoo, and his <laughs> yeah. taxi cab. Yep. And... <clears throat> Uh, she's uh, and then the, his uh, door opens and it's Olivia and she asks him if she can buy him breakfast and he's like oh okay whatever so they go to this little diner and Olivia asks tells him that she needs to get to the Department of Defense facility on Liberty Island and needs his help to pilot a boat there because she can't leave a boat stationed there with all the patrols she tells him that she needs to go home and Henry is really skeptical about that he says your home is on Liberty Island now. And she tells him, look, that, only, that she's in trouble and he's the only person that she's willing to trust and to please help her. He tells her that he's got a cousin with a boat so she doesn't have to steal one and to give him about a day to arrange it. She gives him her cell phone number and he asks her if the people she was running from is still after her. And she says, well, not if, she, if they believe I'm someone else. Mm-hmm. Well, not if she, they believe that she believes she is someone else. Mm-hmm. So we next, uh, and at this time, Olivia gets a, a text to go to the address in Yonkers, New mm-hmm. Yonkers. Mm-hmm. So Olivia gets to the scene of the kidnapping, and Charlie and Lincoln are there, and they fill her in on the case. Charlie's kind of complaining a little bit about having to deal with the abduction cases, and that it's a waste of fringe division's time. And Lincoln tells them that the Peter Bishop Act of 1991... <laughs> 
tells them that they have to um, treat all kidnappings like possible fringe events. And we know why, because of Peter. Mm -hmm. Olivia sees the mother crying in the next room and tells them it's not a waste of time. And Charlie kind of looks bad for saying that, and he says he's going to go and get her statement. In the meantime, Olivia and Lincoln go upstairs to the little boy's bedroom, and there's a, a detective there and a CSI person. And the detective tells them that the victim's name is Max Clayton, and that the mother came to find him the next that morning, and he was gone. Um, Lincoln notices the CSI person taking the fingerprints from the window in the closet and notices some residue on the fingerprint. So he tests it with this little gadget he has and finds out that it, it's sucrose, which is secreted through the skin. He tells Olivia it's the candy man and he's back. And Olivia just kind of looks at him like, okay, um, not really sure about that, but go ahead. I thought of Tony Todd. I know. Candy I thought of Candyman. Candy, <laughs> don't say it three times in a row. I know. <laughs> With Virginia Madsen, that is an excellent movie. He wasn't looking in the mirror either, so. I don't think you had to look in the mirror in the movie. Uh, I, I think you okay. just had to say it three times, but I could be wrong. It's been years mm -hmm. since I watched it. Okay, so we go to commercial. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> we digress. Digress. Candyman. <sighs> that movie freaked me out. Yep. Okay, so we go to commercial comeback, and um, we see, we're we back at the Fringe Division headquarters, and Broyles is looking on his nifty-difty iPad. I'm so jealous. Mm -hmm. um, he's looking through all the files of kids that were kidnapped by the Candyman, we assume, and they all look haggard and tired and old and run down and sick. Walternick comes in and tells Broyles that he came as soon as he heard what happened, or heard about the case. Walter reveals, to us anyway, that Broyles and him know better than anyone else about the theft of a child. He tells Broyles that he can leave the case to someone else if it's too personal for him. And Broyles tells Walter that four years ago, the Candyman took his son for two days. And since he got him back, he hasn't seen him laugh, play with his sister, or anything that a kid should do. Mm. Broyles tells Walter that he is the one, he's the only one that Walter should want on the case. Um, he voices, he does voice a concern to Walter Nitt that he doesn't have his entire team to help him with the case and asks him, asks him how much longer it's going to be until their Olivia comes home. Walter Nitt tells him that they've made a breakthrough by finding a chemical in her brain, which he believes helps her cross between worlds, and they will soon have their answers. He tells Broyles that he knows what it's like to lose a son, and even when they come back, damage has been done, and tells him that if he needs to talk, that he's there to talk to. So we, we go to a scene with Charlie, Olivia, and Lincoln talking about the past kidnapping cases. And Olivia, um, or Lincoln basically says that the case, they worked on the case before Olivia got to the French Division over two years ago when the last kidnapping happened. Um, she tells Lincoln that she read about it but really didn't have much detail about what happened. So Lincoln um, starts telling her that some of the kids came home with deterioration of organ tissue, depleted immune systems, and some even came back with cancer. Olivia notices while they're looking at all the pictures, incision scars on the back of the kids' necks, and Lincoln tells her that the cerebral cortex can access the spine from that location. She asks Astrid about um, more details about the case, and Astrid kind of runs through what they have they know so far. Um, but it, the kidnappings happen every two years. They're kids between seven and nine years old. And that um, the kids <laughs> describe the suspect as a man of unknown age because he wears a mask. And that two of the kids described that there was one old and one young man. Um, when <coughs> Olivia asked to see the kids' cases, she reads that one of them was Christopher Broyles, which is Broyles' son. Olivia is really shocked but kind of recovers quickly and looks over <coughs> at um, Lincoln and Charlie and tells them that she wants to re-interview or re-question Christopher. Lincoln and Charlie both say, hey, that's not a good idea. You don't want to go through all that. You don't want to even pose the question. But, you know, this is our Olivia. So mm -hmm. she ends up going to Broyles anyway, anyway, like we know she will, <laughs> and tells him that she wants to interview <coughs> his son again. He tells her that he's... that. Um, that he has had to ask his son over and over again about those two days 
and ended up not solving the case or helping his son sleep at night and he does not want to reopen that can of worms. He wants to protect the childhood his son has left because he's not sure if he'll make it to his 18th birthday because of his physical condition. Olivia tells Brails that she may be able to get more out of him because she's not related to him and that she should at least try. She tells him that Christopher's childhood is not the only one at stake. Broyles kind of gets uppity, gets mad, gets up <laughs> kind of in her face and tells her to leave alone and dismisses her to go. So mm -hmm. she leaves. Um, we next see Max, the little boy who was kidnapped, laying on an old dusty looking mattress in this old nasty looking room. Mm -hmm. And the man with the mask comes in and offers him a piece of candy. Max tells him that he doesn't feel good and wants to go home. And the man just recites the same little saying that he said when he was... What well, we heard the old man saying mm -hmm. when he was shaving his head. Um, uh, the camera pans around to the back of Max while he's laying on the bed. And we see this metal device sticking out of the back of his neck. Kind of like Matrixy. Matrixy. <laughs> but it was boxy. Yeah. Okay, so we're next seeing we are in Glen Cove, Glen Cove New York. And we see a little boy with cloudy eyes listening to a radio show about a superhero, The Shadow, while playing with a toy. Broyles comes in. We assume it's Christopher. Broyles comes in and we get confirmation that it's his son. Kisses his wife while she watches Christopher <clears throat> on this little video monitor. She asks Broyles why there's a police officer parked outside their house. And she's kind of worried about the candy man coming back to the house. And he tells her, don't worry. It's just for my peace of mind. I just, you know, felt better having him there. She asks him if it's true that the candy man is back. And, and um, he tells her it is. Um, and he asks her how Christopher's doing. And she tells him he's kind of scared because he's heard about the candy man all over the news. And she asks him if there's any progress on the case. And Broyles is kind of telling her, well, yeah, um, Olivia wants to talk to Christopher again, but I told her, no, it's just a waste of time. The wife kind of looks at him and says, you know, she's always liked Olivia, mm -hmm. and Christopher's a strong boy, and he can talk about it even if Broyles himself isn't ready. So Broyles just kind of looks at her, you know, a little bit. Mm -hmm. Link, We see Lincoln um, and Olivia back at the French Division, and she's looking over the case files on the iPad again, and Lincoln comes in and brings her some Red Vines candy, a little licorice, and tells her that they're brand new, and um, Charlie likes them. And so she kind of looks at him like, brand new, what you talking about? <laughs> and then just starts asking him more questions about the case and how the kids came back. She asks him about the condition of the kids and um, says that those are symptoms of old age, too. And he says, yeah, that's true. She tells him that she worked on a case before joining the fridge division where a man was accessing people's pituitary glands to drain hormones out of the back of their neck. She tells him that the victims reported seeing one old and one young suspect, and it really turned out to be not two people but one, who was actually changing from old to young. Um, she thinks that the candy man might be stealing the kids' youth. Lincoln kind of looks like real interested in this and theorizes that, yeah, you could do that, but there'd be some side effects. And he mentions all these different things. And then um, he mentions um, high blood sugar. And she says, oh, like high, he mentions hypertension or something like that. And she says, and high blood sugar. And he says, yeah. So while he's kind of looking and thinking about it, Olivia gets a call um, and says she'll be there. So we notice now that she's going to Broyles' house to talk to Christopher. And Broyles looks like he's not too thrilled with it, but his wife greets her and is like, hey, come on in. So Olivia greets uh, Christopher, and he is kind of happy to meet her because he thinks she's pretty cool for some of the past work she's done. He asks her, is it true you really saved all these kids from a bus? And, and she's like, well, I was just doing my job. And he's like, oh, that's pretty cool. So they kind of have a rapport started already. And before they start talking, she suggests, because Broyles and his wife are still in the room, she suggests they go talk somewhere else, maybe his favorite place to go. So Broyles ends up taking them to the beach, and her and um, Christopher go sit on this little log out by the water when Broyles gets a call from Walternet. He asks Broyles how the case is going and tells him that there are, and Broyles tells him there's no new leads yet. Walternet tells him that he's going to have his team back together soon since their Olivia's mission is almost complete. Broyles asks about 
this Olivia and what's going to happen to her. And Walter tells him that he's going to pull her out of the field the next day and they won't be needing her anymore. And he says it kind of sinister. Yeah. Mm. So back to Christopher and Olivia. Christopher um, tells her that his dad wants him to forget what happened. And she tells him, well, that's kind of hard to do. And she can't imagine how he felt when all that was going on and wanting to get home. He tells her that he had nightmares about it sometimes. And he says, and she asks him to tell him about, tell her about it. He says that he remembers the smell. It was musty and old smelling. Mm. And that the man would come into the room wearing a mask to check on this little gadget that was on the back of his neck. He felt like he he said he felt like he was sick all the time and that it was stealing his energy. <clears throat> Olivia asked him if the man ever said anything to him, and he immediately says, "No, no, no, he never said anything." She can tell that he's kind of lying a little bit and says, "You could tell me what's going on or what he said." And he begins to cry and tell her that the candy man told him that if he told anyone about what happened to him, that he would come back and hurt his mom and dad. So Olivia hugs him and reassures him that that's not going to happen and that she promises that he'll be okay. But there's another little boy out there that's having the same thing happening to him that wants to get back to his family and that anything that he tells her could help. So he finally tells her one of the lines he remembers that the man would say. And then Olivia keeps on hugging him and says, okay, everything's going to be fine. And then you can start your part of the recap. Okay, well, he said, well, one thing he did say to her was that it sounded like a prayer to him. So that got her to thinking. Well, but... but no, he didn't say that, but she they figured that out later. But go ahead. I watched that episode multiple times. I did too. Okay, back at Fringe Division, the team is researching the words. And they're specifically looking to see if it's part of a prayer. Anyway... And uh, so the scene kind of switches back from Fringe Division and Lincoln and Charlie and uh, Olivia, you know, checking the words and stuff. And um, um, Agent Farnsworth uh, back at Broyles' house. And Olivia is telling Broyles' wife that Christopher was very, very helpful because Broyles has driven him back to the house now. And while Olivia is talking to, to Broyles' wife... Then Broyles gets a call from, of course, Lincoln at French Division. So he kind of, you know, walks on off. And uh, Olivia's, uh, you know, just smiling and saying, you know, he did great and everything. And and Chris has brought his mother some little seashells and everything. And so she takes, uh, Mrs. Broyles takes Chris into the house. Olivia gets a call from Henry. And Henry says that, okay, he's got the boat. And he tells her to meet him in Brooklyn. At this little marina, right at 10 o'clock. And he, he can take her on over to Liberty Island. So, Olivia says, yes, you know, I'll be there. And she cuts off her phone because Broyles is walking up to her. And Broyles was telling her that uh, Charlie got a hit on the prayer that they were um, researching. And that he traced it to the Astoria Church in Queens. So, next week, see, they're talking to the pastor of the church. And, of course, he recognizes that it's a prayer, and he says that, that you know, it's it's one of the prayers that, that they kind of use in their little church and everything. And then he tells uh, Olivia and Broyles that he used to be a physician, but then his wife fell ill during the avian flu epidemic. So, you know, this is an alternate universe. And, you know... He felt so bad that he couldn't save her that he he, he just kind of, you know, kind of gave up. And then he realized that God came to him and helped him to see that, you know, when people are in real bad t- uh, times like that, that they need prayer. So he started the church and became a minister. So Olivia tells him that the prayer was said by the suspect in an investigation. And to, it seems to me that Olivia kind of said it a little bit forcefully, kind of like to jar him or something. And she asked him for the names and addresses of all the men in his congregation. And, of course, the pastor uh, kind of balks at first and, and, you know, is probably going to get into some privacy issue and everything. And then Broyles tells him that, okay, look, there's a child missing and they need his help in finding him. Uh, He says they have a victim 
who can uh, identify the suspect's voices. That's what Broyles say, says. And so the pastor kind of looks at him and, and he says, uh, well, you know, is this person reliable? And he starts to say something else and Broyles cuts his eyes at him. He says, "It's my he's my son. So then the pastor says, well, okay. So what he does do is he agrees to give them a list from the men's group. And so they have a list of 40 names. And as Broyles and Olivia are leaving the church, then then Olivia's telling Broyles, okay, you know, we can't all check these 40 names. So so uh, Broyles is going to have Lincoln and Charlie also check names. So they each, you know, had 10 names apiece. And so they go to the actual physical addresses and they're checking on the names. Now, later on, we see that Olivia is going to an apartment address on, on the list. And, and uh, as she's walking, you know, into, uh, up to this apartment, <clears throat> excuse me, she is talking to Broyles on her little phone. And we hear that Lincoln and Charlie are not having any luck, that, you know, all the people that they've checked so far, you know, have checked out and everything. And so Olivia tells him, well, I'm, I'm at my next one, <clears throat> excuse me, so I'll call you when I finish. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so it, Olivia clicks off and she knocks on the door to this apartment number five. And and a young man answers and he, he, he appears to have kind of like a bald head or less hair anyway than, than a normal person his age. He's got age. a hat on. You don't really know. Well, but you can kind of see around the edges. Yeah, and I was getting to that and he's, he's wearing a hat. And his name is Wyatt Toomey. And so, of course, Olivia says, you know, are you Wyatt Toomey? And he says, yes. And he invites her in and, and everything. And she identifies herself and says, you know, uh, I'm investigating a missing child and stuff. And and so he walks into his kitchen while he's kind of talking to her. And Olivia just kind of steps, you know, a little bit towards him. And he sees this doll with this blonde head baby doll sitting up there. And so she kind of puts her hand on her gun and says, uh, Mr. Toomey, do you live here alone? And he says, yes, I do. And so then Olivia is staring at him and she, you know, yells at him, don't move. Well, by that time, he has shut the door on her. There's an interior door and, of course, ran. So she's running. She's running towards him, trying to catch him while she's also on her little uh, telephone, you know, calling dispatch, giving him the address and saying she needs backup and everything else. So Olivia is runs into the bedroom and she sees that there's something kind of amiss inside this closet. There's a few clothes hanging in this closet. So she looks uh, closer and there's a room behind that closet. And when she goes into that dingy room, she finds the little kidnapped boy, Max, and he's laying on the bed. And, you know, she rushes to him and tells him, look, uh, uh, says, don't be afraid. I'm FBI. And, and. Then she notices the little gadget on his back. And so she's kind of hugging him and stuff. Well, then Wyatt steps into the doorway and he's holding a gun. and But he doesn't even get, get a shot off first before Olivia shoots him five times. Or she shoots her gun anyway five times. We don't know if she hit he him. He did shoot, and cause it went, but it went way off. Yeah, it, it went way off. Cause, cause, hers did not Because he off. wasn't even aiming yet when he stepped yep. into that doorway. So he, he had it down. Wild. Yeah, so, you know. Anyway, okay, and then they go to commercial. But when they come back, by that time, the French team, all, all the usual suspects, they've arrived at the apartment. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, yeah. Lincoln, Charlie, and all the rest of them. And Olivia is telling Broyles that Toomey, had lived, uh, she checked with the uh, superintendent, and he said that uh, Wyatt Toomey had lived in that little apartment for almost nine years, and you could see Broyles kind of, uh, you know, adding it up. Okay, when did the Candyman start and, and all that stuff, and it's been nine years. And so Charlie is looking at all this equipment in this room and stuff, and so he yells for Olivia and Broyles to come, you know, come in there with him and Lincoln and look at all this equipment. So Broyles is asking Lincoln, what is the equipment for? And Lincoln says, well, I guess that Olivia was right about the man making some kind of age regression serum. And so Broyles is looking at, looking at her, uh, looking at Lincoln and says, she was right about what? You know, because he's thinking, because see, Broyles knows that that's our Olivia and not the, you know, alternate Olivia. Anyway, <clears throat> so he was, um, so Lincoln tells Broyles that, Wyatt Toomey was extracting hormones from all those children 
and was probably making an age regression serum and giving it to himself. So Lincoln Hans broils a show me card with Wyatt Toomey's name and address and everything on it. And the picture of it is this old gray haired man. The one we saw at the beginning. Yeah, I mean, he's real old. And he's got a lot of hair and stuff. So, yeah, he was regressing himself. So, Olivia tells Broyles that his son, little Chris, was right. That there was an old man and a young man. But they were the same man. And so, Broyles tells Olivia that he won't forget what she did here. And he's kind of, you know, giving her a nod. And Olivia doesn't really smile or anything. She just kind of not gets that little nod like, yeah, okay, thank you. Now... <clears throat> Now we're at 10 o'clock at night, and we're at the Red Hook Marina in Brooklyn. And Olivia has met with Henry, and uh, who's on his cousin's boat. <clears throat> now, when Olivia, you know, Olivia uh, says to Henry, okay, so uh, do you want me to cast off or what? And he says, uh, what is that? So when Olivia realizes that Henry does not even know what cast off means, then she explains it to him that he has to untie the boat from the dock. So Henry confesses that he's actually afraid of the water, but his cousin showed him everything he needed to do so he knows how to operate the boat. Just then, Olivia begins to think, and it's like she got a eureka moment. And she says, oh, she says, okay, look, I got to go and take care of something, but please, please, and she begs him, please wait for me. Just wait here for me. And as she's she's going, she's calling Broyles and she, uh, at French Division, and she's saying, look, we were all wrong. Wyatt Toomey was a janitor. And so he had to have somebody show him how to extract the hormones, how to synthesize it into a serum, and how to do everything. So she says, I think it was Reverend Marcus because he said he used to be a physician. Mm -hmm. So Broyles says, oh, and Broyles is looking wild. He is upset. And he jumps says, up. yeah, he jumps up and he says, um, I told that reverend that my son could identify the voices, and now I've been calling my wife, and nobody's answering the phone. Oh, and Libby says, okay, look, I'll meet you there at your house. Like, lickety-split, you know. So she she rushes off and leaves. Well, she now, tells Henry to wait for her. Yeah, I already got that part. Oh, my bad. Yes, listen, please. Now, then we, we go to Broyles' house, and we hear his wife, and little Chris is laying in the bed probably getting ready to go to sleep. And we hear his wife scream like two times, kind of in the distance. And poor little Chris is just scared to death. And then we see that Reverend Marcus has knocked her out with some, probably uh, uh, ether or something, you know, putting it over her mouth and, 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 and anesthetizing her. So Christopher jumps up out of the bed and he goes and, and he's looking around where he could hide, but he, and he hides in this little credenza. And Reverend Marcus is, talking the whole time that he is walking through the house looking for Christopher when he realizes Christopher's not in his bed. Of course, he eventually finds Christopher in that credenza, and he opens it up, and poor little Christopher is screaming, you know, because, you know, he's blind. He can't see, but he knows the guy's there. He recognizes his voice, and he grabs Christopher and, and is dragging him out of there and dragging him down the hallway when all of a sudden Broyles appears in the high hallway, and he yells at Reverend Marcus, and then he shoots him dead. Ooh, that was a good scene, too. He wasn't playing. He wasn't playing. He said, oh, no, there's not going to be no talking. Boom. And he is on the floor. And I think it's very interesting that when when um, Broyles, <clears throat> when the Reverend falls down, of course, Christopher's scared to death, and, and, and he runs to his father's voice, and that is so cute. And he's hugging him. And then we see Olivia in the background, and she has arrived there and she's got her gun drawn out and everything and when she sees that you know Broyles and Christopher are fine that she you know pockets her little gun or holsters her gun and, and everything that was really good the next scene we are at the regional medical center and of course Chris is being looked at by the doctors and everything and uh Broyles and his wife are there of course and and Olivia's there as well and um then Olivia gets a call from Henry who, who, you know, is telling her, okay, where are you at? Hurry up. And she says, okay, I'll be, I'll be there, you know, right away. I'm on my way. Well, before she can leave, 
Then remember little Max, the little rescued Max, little Max's mother walks up and tells Olivia that, you know, Max is doing fine. And the doctor said that they found him just in time to avoid any permanent damage. So she's very grateful and says, you know, you are all he ever talks about. And so she asked Olivia if she wouldn't mind stopping by his little room, you know, because he can't stop talking about her. So, of course, Olivia does. So she goes and visits little Max. And little Max, uh, first thing he asks her is, um, what's FBI? And she says, oh, where'd you hear that? And he says, well, that's what you said to me when you found me, remember? And she, so Olivia is kind of looking, and she doesn't miss a beat. She says, well, she says, the FBI, that's just another word for the police. And then Max says that, okay, so that's what he wants to be when he grows up, a FBI. It was really cute. So Olivia turns, kind of turns around. You know how you get that sense that somebody is, is watching you? He said that. Right. But Broyles is, is in, standing in the doorway, and he kind of clears his throat a little bit. So she'll, you know, kind of turn around, and she sees Broyles standing there. So she, she tells Christopher, you know, he needs to get some sleep now and everything anyway. So she walks out of, uh, uh, not Christopher, Max. So she walks out of Max's room with Broyles, and Broyles tells her, Broyles says that, you know, the doctors are trying to synthesize the serum that they they found in, in uh, Wyatt Toomey's apartment. And they're going to see if it has any healing properties for Christopher and some of the other victims. So maybe, you know, some good will come out of it. And and, and so Olivia's kind of happy to hear that. And then all of a sudden, Broil stops walking in the hallway and he turns to Olivia and he says, Dunham, the FBI ceased to exist over a decade ago. You... Uh, and he says, at least on this side, it did. And he kind of looks at her and he says, you know who you are, don't you? And Olivia, man, that look, that look she has on her face, it's the same look she has on her face. Uh, our real Olivia, uh, right before she's getting ready to like hurt somebody, you know? Because uh, I, I mean, well, it's like she's trying to assess what the hell they going to do. Well, well, that's what I mean. I mean, you could see her body language change. She was, she was, her stance was a little different. Like, okay, there. let me prepare myself, you know? I just felt so bad for her. And then Olivia, she never really says anything. Mm -mm. And then he just kind of looks at her and she said, will you let me finish, please? Oh, go ahead. We're taking a while to get to it. Dang. Anyway, and she says, what happens now? And so Broyle says, well, now I'm going home. And he walks on off and goes over to Chris and his wife. So, you know, he kisses his wife and, 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 Kind of looks up, and of course Olivia's gone by uh, already by then. So next we see that Henry is steering the boat over towards uh, Liberty Island, and uh, Olivia's at the back of the boat and everything. And Henry stops it, like you know, far from the shore, and and she's telling Henry, "Okay, all you got to do is follow the same way we came, and n none of the patrols will spot you or anything. You can get all the way back." So Henry says, "Okay, well, now that you got me all the way out here." You may as well tell me where it is you're from. And so just as Olivia's getting ready to jump in the water, she turns around and she tells him, I'm from a parallel universe. And then she jumps on off in that water, see. And the way Henry was looking at her, it was kind of like he thought, mm, yeah, see. Well, we'll talk about I, I knew, Yeah, anyway. So we see Olivia, she swims to the shore. And, of course, she's hiking up that embed that huge embankment and makes it over the fence and she has to, you know, sneak past all the guards and everything. And she enters into that DOD laboratory. And while she's doing that, then we see, we have a scene of Walternet and he's uh, riding in the back of this limousine and he receives a call from Liberty Island that's, that there's been a breach at the island and that someone has accessed the lab. And Walternet's looking mean. I mean, he looks he purses his lips and he's looking real mean. So back at the DOD lab, we see Olivia and she's at a computer putting in all these uh, figures and stuff. And then she's sitting like right near the tank, getting ready to uh, get back in the tank. But she injects herself with the drugs that they used for her. And once in the tank, of course, she transports herself back to that gift shop. But this time it's nighttime and the doors are locked. So she's, you know, trying to get out and the doors are locked. 
then a female janitor comes up behind her and she takes her little headphones out and she says, uh, you know, we're closed. So Olivia turns around to face this janitor and the room starts kind of like blurring. So yeah, shimmering. So Olivia's saying, oh no. And she says, okay, look, she says to the woman, okay, look, what am I, I need for you to do something uh, uh, for me. I'm not here to hurt you, but, but I need for you to do something for me. And then, you know, she shimmers on out. And the next we see Olivia, there are these armed guards pulling her out of that tank. And Waltonette is standing there. Ooh, he is looking mean, mean, mean. Mean. And, and Olivia begs him to just let her go home. And Waltonette barks to the guards, sedate her. Woo! Waltonette is awful. Okay. Now, the last scene, we are back at our universe. And uh, Peter and Bolivia, they are lay- laying in the bed watching the movie Casablanca. And, of course, Olivia... Is saying that she's never seen the movie, and so Peter kind of asks her questions about it and, and stuff. And you know, she once again she says some some little things that the our Olivia should know. Oh. But anyway, so eventually, you know, the movie they turn the movie off, they kiss. Peter turns the lights out, and they're getting ready to go to sleep, and they're all hugged up and everything. Then Peter's uh, cell phone vibrates over there on the nightstand, so he says, "Oh no, what is it?" Well, he's thinking it's just Walter. So when he answers the phone, he's just, okay, hello, hello. You know, because nobody's talking at first. But then a woman says, okay, look. No, she says, is this Peter? She says, is this Peter Bishop? Will you let, I don't interrupt you. Yes, you do. You just did it today. Well, I'm going to do it. You have done it. I'm going to do it from now on. But anyway. Everybody can write me and tell us. When he, uh, she asked, is this Peter Bishop? And he says, yes. And she says, well, I'm calling from New York and I just saw a woman disappear in front of my eyes. Her name is Olivia and she has a message for you. She's trapped in the other universe. Click. That's the end. That took you forever. Hey, you know, it would have taken me less if you wouldn't have kept interrupting me. But anyway, so I take it you liked the episode. Loved it. I liked it because Peter now knows you've been had. Thank the Lord. <laughs> I mean, hopefully that, that lovey-dovey shit, uh, excuse me, stuff is over. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, I like, uh, we've said this before. You know, I like all the little stories in the alternate universe, but when it switched back in that last scene to our universe and it showed them two laying in the bed watching the movie, I thought, oh, Lord, you know. And my thing about that is, first of all, this is for anybody. You in the bed with Peter Bishop (laughs) trying to watch this movie and, and she doesn't even know you know, anything about the movie. She's like, oh, they, they live happily ever after. And he's like, no. No, it's they a never tragedy. See, no, he says they never see each other again. Yeah. And she's like, oh, isn't that Ronald Reagan playing? I know. Part? And he's like, no, it's Humphrey Bogart. Bogart. I know. So all that little stuff just was funny. But my thing about that scene, well, what I thought of was she in the bed with Peter Bishop and she's like, let's just go to sleep. Uh-huh. Who the hell is just going to go to sleep when Peter Bishop in the bed? Well, you know, they had been probably laying there. Anyway, (laughs) that's what I thought. Just relaxing. But I love the part. I love when he got that phone call. Oh, that was good. at first, I didn't know what it was going to be. But when she said the whole thing, I was like, thank goodness. Thank goodness. Finally. Her name is Olivia and she's trapped on the other side. should have already known. He should have been able to just those little bitty things. And now that he knows, trust me, he's going to, in his mind, go back and say, dang, you know, I should have caught that. I should have caught that. that. I should have caught that. All Mm -hmm. that stuff that he talked about with the senator. How did she not know for two years and all this and that and the other? He did the same thing. He did the same thing. Mm -hmm. But man, Walter Nett is, uh, he is the best villain. Wow. He is just... Oh, John Noble is playing that part good, though. They all It are. is totally, they totally different from our beloved Walter, you know? I mean, he's just, his he's looks are just evil. Evil. Evil, evil, evil. Well, first off, I love that we got Henry back. Yes, I like seeing Henry. We just Henry. didn't get to see enough of Henry, but I feel like we're going to see more of him mm-hmm. later. I don't feel like this is the end, and I hope it's not. 
But I really like seeing Henry again. And I still say, I still say, unless they're going to drop the ball on this, I still say there's something about Henry being in that mm -hmm. alternate universe because he told Olivia when he first met her that he was having like similar type thoughts and everything. Nobody believed him but his wife. Mm -hmm. See, and to me, that was a clue. So well, I'm maybe, anxious to see. Maybe it's foreshadowing, but yeah. Anyway, but I love the part. I love the fact that they had the chemistry they had in the first episode of the season mm -hmm. was kind of back. And I love that she was like, look, you're the only one I can trust. You're the yep. only one I'm going to trust. I need your help. Please help me. Well, and he and, saw those guys after her, too, because he asked her, are they still after you? Well, no, he saw her drive off with uh, Charlie mm -hmm. from her mama's house. But, you but, know, but he was, yeah, he was trying to follow up on that whole mm -hmm. situation that happened before because she was totally a different person now than what he saw before. Before she was panicked. She's trying to get to where she had to go. This is the first time him seeing her being like a normal, calm person. So he was probably thrown a little yeah. bit by that too. Yeah. Because the only be. comment, uh, excuse me, the only uh, time he had with her was when she was going through all that craziness. But I found interesting... Um, when they're, when she, when they show the taxi cab and they kind of zoom in on it on the radio in his cab, the story they're talking about in the cat on the radio is about this proposed law to limit the number of kids that a parent, a family can have mm -hmm. and how all the senators and the government agree with it, but how the, the citizens aren't. And I thought that was a kind of an interesting little tidbit of how that universe is handling the population, how they're handling mm -hmm. things going on in the world. They're trying to limit the amount of kids people can have. Mm -hmm. uh, that was just a little side thing that I noticed. But I also love that we got to see Broyles and more about his personal life because we don't know anything about Broyles yeah. at all in our universe. Yeah. Except that him and Nina used to do something. Him, him, him and Nina Sharp they used, kissed, to, used to date or something. Something. But this is the first time we got to see anything. And I love seeing that more personal yeah, side of that him. Yeah, that was nice. Loved it. And uh, what I liked about showing more of Broyles is the fact that throughout this whole episode, his opinion of her is changing. His opinion of Olivia is changing because he, he, he just paid so much more attention to not only how she interacted and helped Christopher, but the other little boy too. And how her theories are helping them with their stuff because she's from the other world. You know, of course, Charlie and Lincoln don't know that yet, but, he, you but know. But he wasn't listening to her at first. It took his wife telling him. That's true. To, for him to But that's open because up. he was being protective of his son. Right. And I can understand that. I mean, that's understandable. And he doesn't trust her because he doesn't know her. Exactly. But his wife kind of forced him and, and made him think about it. And then after hearing Charlie and Lincoln talk about, oh, it was Olivia's theory that this was mm -hmm. what was happening. And that's how we came to this conclusion. Oh, it was Olivia's thought that called you to tell you, hey, we got the wrong... We've got one of the guys, but there's still another mm -hmm. guy there. And it was Olivia that got Christopher to give them some real good information. Lead. Exactly. Real good information. So I think all that, that he combined... never gave anybody before. Yeah, because nobody yeah. asked. I yeah. mean, nobody pushed him enough to mm -hmm. ask because he was too busy trying to protect him. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I like that whole evolving of his yep. idea. Uh, That's what I mean. Her. I know. And I, I really like that part. So when it did get to the end mm -hmm. and he... She made that little blunder about the FBI. That was so good. That was What's good. the FBI? And when he uh, said it, I was like, wait a minute. What the hell? Yeah. There ain't no, no. FBI over exactly. there. Exactly. As soon as he said it, because the little boy said Yeah, the no. little boy, because, you know, yeah, she said FBI. Well, we're used to her we're saying to that. that. Yeah. But I forgot. Yeah, there is none over there. And I was like, oh, and crap. And when Royal said, you know, it ceased yeah. to exist over a decade ago. Oh, I just... My heart almost dropped for Olivia. I thought, oh, no. And Anna Torf is rocking it. Oh, she's so good. her, the whole episode, it, she's our Olivia. We can tell. She's, First of all, she's yep. assertive. Yep. When they were talking about the case and that one, two kids said that there's an old and a young. She's like, 
all upset and indignant. Well, how come we ain't looking for two people then? How come we haven't experienced <laughs> Yeah, 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 you know? yeah. And then when they said, don't be talking to Broyles about it, don't even go What'd there. What'd she do? She, she went, went right, right up to his office. That's our Olivia. Yeah, That's like that Nina, is. Nina Sharp said in the last episode, you haven't gone to Walter yourself? You yep. haven't talked to Walter yet? That's right. She's like, oh, I don't want to go through all that. Nina knows that. Nina knows. Our Olivia don't care about all that yeah. BS. She gonna yeah. get to it. Nina to get knows. To it. Especially mm-hmm. when it's a case involving kids. Mm-hmm. She has a soft spot in her heart for she kids. She does. Mm-hmm. Because she was a kid when she was experimented on. Yep. She loves her niece so much. So yeah, she's got a soft spot when it comes to kids. But I love that. She went straight up to Broyles. Well, maybe I need to ask him because I ain't his daddy. <laughs> <laughs> and he looked at her well, like. He looked like he wanted to knock her out. Yeah, like. What's she trying to say? <laughs> yeah, that was good. This was a very good... Man, each episode gets better and better. Yes, I love seeing our Olivia back. Ooh, I can't wait. I can't wait for to see what Peter is going to do. Woo! Yes. The first thing he need to do is get up out that bed. Oh, well, hell yeah. He you will. know. He will. But, okay, now this is what I want to know, too. You think Olivia was listening to him? Bo Olivia was listening to him? Because, you know, a lot of times when he gets a call and well, stuff, she's listening. I'm sure she was, but he didn't say anything that was indicating anything. That's he true. He said, hello, hello, Walter, is that you? And yeah. the lady said, is this Peter Bishop? He says, yes, who is this? And she says, well, I just saw a lady disappear. Da, da. He didn't say nothing That's else true. that. So she can't, I don't think glean what he was talking about. Now, him acting funny after the call's over? Because you know he's going to act gonna funny. He's going to be acting shitty. <laughs> he's going to be acting funny. <laughs> he's going to be acting funny. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You cannot not act funny after that. Not after that. Mm-hmm. But I thought the I thought Olivia, or excuse me, Anna Torv was excellent mm-hmm. in the whole episode. And when Broyles confronted her about the FBI and that look she gave him, like, oh, shit, Lord. what am I going to do? Let me just break it down. What happens now? Mm-hmm. And then I love the scenes with Anna or Olivia and Christopher. That was so sweet. That little boy was oh, so cute. Oh, he was good. First was of all, he good. was the cutest little thing he ever. He was. Both little boys were cute. Yeah. That, that little, little Max was so cute. Oh, I felt so sorry He's for like, him. I feel so good and I want to go I home. I know. Poor little thing. But when that little, when she was talking to Christopher... And he was excited to meet her because he met a hero kind of in his eyes. Mm-hmm. And then when she was kind of getting him to talk and he started crying. Oh, those sweet little cheeks. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, you're so cute. Mm-hmm. But Yeah, that was very good episode. Very, <clears throat> very good. I love all the, the, the scenes with that. And yes, I'm with you. I want to see what's going to happen. Somebody's going to deal with Walter's ass. Yeah. I can't wait for Walter. I, I mean, the... I can't. Well, you mean Walternet? Walternet, right? Butt. I can't wait for Walter to find out that that's not their Olivia. Well, oh, I mean, I, I bet, I bet he's gonna have something it. to say though. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. My thing is okay. We know Peter is gonna try to do something, but how is Olivia? Unless they come over, go back over to try to get her, mm-hmm. which I'm not sure that they can really do without her. Without how without is she her. gonna get out of that? Although Walter's been over there now. Walter's been yeah, over they there. Have, yeah, they have to go to a special locate, you know, mm-hmm. and all that. But the last time they went over, she helped them get over there. Well, not when he first got Peter. Well, no, no, no. I said the last time right, they right, went right, over right. there. Right, right, So, how are they going to, you know, how is this going to work? Well, we're we going to see. And another thing. Okay. So, she, <coughs> excuse me, was in that chamber, Um, went back to our side. It's shimmer, shimmer, shake, shake. She went back to the chamber in the alternate universe. She And this time, she was over for like 10 more seconds before she got shimmery and everything went black. How is she ever going to get all the way back over there? You know, because it always shimmers and she ends up going well, back. But the only reason it was shimmering is because they was pulling her ass out. Okay, yeah. Even the first time, they yeah. was pulling her out That's because true. they didn't know what the convulsions and stuff were. That's true. See? So, otherwise, she would have just stayed. Now, my question was, is this. Had that door not been locked and she, and she went on out, Yes. then she would have just... 
disappeared off the street when they pulled her out that tank then. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. See? Because the only reason why... Well, how long do they have to let her stay in the damn tank, though, before she stays? Well, but we don't, we don't know that, though. Yeah, see, that's because they pulled her out. She only been over there, what, twice. Well. But they pulled her out even the first time. Because, you know, they were upset about uh, all of her vitals spiked and everything. Right, and, but what and, I'm and saying everything. is, okay, they pulled her out the first time. This time they pulled her out after like 20, 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. How long does she have to be there before... If they try to pull her out and she's actually physically gone. We don't know. That's what I want to know. We don't know. Does it take a full minute? I, I bet we're going to find out. Five though. minutes? I, yeah. They're going to have to address that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, that was... Did we have any emails? A great this episode. Week? No. Basically, a couple of people. One, Sabrina mentioned she asked where we're at and when we're coming back. And <laughs> yeah. We'll have a new episode. And we've had a lot of pe- great people comment on... Well, not a lot, but some people comment on the Facebook page and mm-hmm. Twitter. But hey, when y'all gonna do another podcast? Well, we're back and we're on time, and hopefully, we're gonna stay on schedule. We are. I'm determined and excited to be podcasting mm-hmm. again. Okay. And and the shows are getting so good. I just want to talk about it. Yep. So okay. we definitely need your feedback. Um, send us an email at. Uh, sisterspeak at gmail.com what do you think about the last episode latest episode and we have a new episode coming up so give us your feedback and opinions on that our voicemail if you want to leave a voicemail is 972-692-7341 we're on facebook facebook.com slash sisterspeak podcast we're also on Twitter, underscore Sister J and underscore Sister K. And we've been tweeting a lot about other shows, but... Reality mainly. We'll definitely be tweeting about Fringe mm-hmm. um, more more often. And um, you can send us an, uh, a comment on Twitter also. Okay. All right. Well, that's it for now. And we'll be back in a couple of days with another episode. Okay. I'm Sister K. And I'm Sister J. See you next time. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.